Hello, and welcome to episode 147 of Relics of Ore. I am your host, Grybok, and joining me today are my illustrious crew of Spirit Eevee and returning host, Sea Squirrel Run. How are you doing this evening, Eevee? Potato. Potato, indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing good. Um, yeah, great. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like a potato. Okay, alright. <laughs> There's going to be a lot to talk about, so let's just uh, move right along. How are you doing this morning? Evening? Evening? Morning? Whatever? Spirit? Hello. Hello. Um, I'm good. I'm also still in shock from information overload, but I've grabbed a cider because I feel like I need it for this episode, so that's fine. What Ooh. is the alcohol content of that cider? 5%. Excellent. But you're not and- old enough to drink. I am in America and here for several years. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> uh, and how about yourself, Christian? How are you doing this evening? And welcome back. Thank you. I'm doing well. Good. All right. After clearing up some uh, persistent audio issues, I think we are ready to just roll right on headlong into this episode. So, yeah, I mean, as Evie, as, as Evie mentioned earlier, the... The thrust of this episode is going to be all about traits. We got a huge, what was it, four, four and a half hour live stream? Four hour live stream. Yeah. Did any of you guys sit through and watch all of it? I I wanted to, but I couldn't. You just couldn't do I it. Just yeah. Couldn't. That, that took some real stamina. Um, how about you guys? Wasn't it in the middle up- of the night? Yeah, it was. I woke up halfway through it, and I went, whoa, it's still going in, like, my morning mind. And then by the time it was done, I was fully awake, because it was a really long live stream. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure it's backed up automatically to Twitch, so you could have watched it in the intervening time. But Yeah, but it was really long. (laughs) Yes, it was. And thank you to people on Reddit who took copious screenshots and notes so that we can just cheat and look at those instead. Yes. (laughs) So... I will say I did really enjoy the the bits that I did see of it because it was awesome to see the developers talking about it and being really excited about the changes that they're making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a a very refreshing communications change, which we can talk about later in the episode. But uh, it was it was really great to just see all of these things in a very obviously work in progress state, but just sort of where their heads are at and things that are mm-hmm. coming, even if they're not completely finished yet. And uh, you know, I mean, it, it lets us have an option to give long um, large amounts of feedback to things that we see as potentially interesting, problematic, boring, etc. So I think it's pretty exciting. But I guess I guess the biggest adjustment for all of us, well, maybe not biggest, but a big one for me for sure is the name change because they're no longer called trait lines, they're called specializations, which was sort of the word we were all using already for the subclasses, if you will. Um, Barry, you want to talk about that changing policy? Sure. So basically, everything you know as a trait line right now is going to become a core specialization. Um, so for example, you'd be an Ellie that specializes in water magic, air magic, and fire magic. Um, they are basically trait lines, but they're not because one of the one of the fundamental things that's changing is that you can only invest into three, and we'll be investing all the way into three trait lines. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's no more concept of trait points anymore, which is, 
interesting. I think Which, it. I uh, go ahead. With the way that they're doing it now, with the like fully investing to three on paper, like there are less builds, but effectively there are more. If that makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. I think I think it means that. Yeah, I think it it means that realistically there's more. Especially with the way that they're shuffling around a lot of traits, because mm-hmm. coming with this, no longer will we have 12 traits per line, but we'll instead have 9, 3 at each tier, and additionally you aren't able to switch bet- or you aren't able to pick lesser tiered traits at a higher tier, so at tier at the first tier of traits, the was it adept, I guess is what they're actually called, yeah. you can only pick adept traits from that line, and then same with major, and then same with grandmaster. Well, technically, Greg, but there are 12 traits in each line because of the miners. Yeah, those don't count. And that was me doing a bad job. I was like, whoa, that was extremely (laughs) South Park of you. Anyway. (laughs) I think overall, it gives uh, me the feeling that with everything you do, you kind of end up committing much more strongly to the, the choices you make, where before you could take you would maybe focus just more on, oh, I want this trait and this trait and this trait, and you didn't really mind which trait line they were in. Now it's all going to be about, first off, that big decision of which trait line uh, or which specialization, as it's now called, am I going to commit to? And then after that, you then make follow-up decisions as to which minor, which adept, which major, or which grandmaster, if I got some of that nomenclature right. Yeah, yeah. And I... Well, and. A thing, uh, a consequence of the cutting down on the number and also restricting you to only being able to pick ones of your current level, if you will, is that a lot of the traits have been condensed into other traits or shifted around. So in some cases, it means you now have to choose between two traits where before you could have both. But in other cases, it means that you get two traits for the price of one and or, or three. And, or, or, or three yeah. And or that it allows you to now take another trait by consequence of of a trait that you used to have to take to get part of the functionality of a single condensed one is now just part of that one and you can get other traits too so in in a lot of ways not only are builds feeling like they're going to be more powerful because you get three grandmaster traits but additionally so because a, a lot of the traits that you were picking are now just a single trait but you actually get the same number or actually more actual trait choices so it's going to be really hard to uh it's going to be really hard to predict the the new power level i think there's going to be some interesting balance considerations once once it hits the field and speaking of power they're getting rid of stats yeah for investing and they're putting it all into like baseline and gear which i found interesting yeah, it's it's simultaneously awesome and terrifying to me. Well, not not terrifying, but I recently I've been in looking at builds that use like condition duration and boon duration and stuff like that that were um included in trait lines and you could get a free 30% condi duration or boon duration whatever from those trait lines and now well, those are gone. Free air quotes. Yeah, I mean, you had to invest in those lines, but it was a good way of acquiring it. Mm-hmm. And now with that emphasis being on your gear, I'm kind of interested to see things like like platinum doubloons, which were never really a, like a big thing, but maybe with um the boon duration on them, they could be used as like upgrades for slots. There's um some interesting interesting possibilities for runes. 
Um, but I'm also a little bit wary of that because I've invested so heavily in Berserker stuff for my like Ascended gear and stuff. And with if that's not if I need stats from other things, I'm gonna be bummed about having to replace a lot of stuff on my gear. Well, in in a lot of ways, I feel like that's just gonna reinforce the Berserker builds for a lot of professions because it'll just be it'll just mean that the opportunity cost of losing berserker gear in order to get back your conditioner boon duration is probably not going to be worth the amount that you get on a lot of those things unless we see some other dramatic changes as well um but i yeah i i think it really depends on what your build's goals are and the options that you have for increasing boon or condition duration within each profession because i know that i didn't really like on necro having to pick uh put 30 points into uh, spite just because that gave you 30 percent condition duration and that's such a huge dps increase but i didn't particularly want like any traits. of yeah i didn't really want any of the traits for my condition build because i was running a little bit more of a defensive tanky like wells and blinding and chilling build and the the traits which were largely power focused were kind of pointless but we can get into that a little bit more later but again there's there's such a huge front load of information before we even talk about each of the prof- professions one-on-one it's go go ahead and i think that's this is the big upside to um that change is that before you had to compromise between the functional um sort of build and the statistical build that you were going to go with because you had to make that decision do i invest in those points to get the boon duration or do i invest in the traits that i want and now they're being separated so you don't have to make that decision necessarily yeah and and in and in a lot of cases it appears that they've taken those lines that had those those type the specifically boon and condition duration as stats and integrated them into traits in that line which sort of functionally has the same concept but you know it i don't know i feel like that's a little bit more of an interesting choice like you're taking the trait because it increases your duration not taking traits that are useless because you got points from putting it into that line right um yeah yeah overall i really i actually really like that change i think that's a much more interesting change it'll be interesting to see how they rebalance each profession's you know uh, base stats too and how much of that goes into gear and i mean i guess they gave us some numbers but i don't know if it's going to be across the board or what so what do you want to talk about the new acquisition methods like or or start off on that or should i kick that off <sighs> okay so in lieu of the now old system of going out to random things on the map and being like, hey, I'm going to kill this boss that spawns here when it's not broken on this map and unlocking a trait. They're replacing skill points with hero points. Now, as you level, you're going to get 400 skill points between 1 and 80. To unlock absolutely everything for core, is going to cost 465. To make up the last 65 points, we will have to do hero challenges, which are the old skill challenges. So it's it doesn't sound like that hard of a idea. It's a, it's a very good middle ground between what used to be and what will be. Yeah, yeah. and it's 
important to mention, like, because um, they're functioning around reward tracks that are progressed by spending those hero points, you get to pick which ones you invest into. So if you've got an alt, you'd like you're on your third thief or whatever, some crazy thing if you're me, um, and you know what skills you want and you know which skills you don't want, you can spend those skills and you don't have to have a complete, um, you know, you don't have to go out and do those 65 hero challenges to be able to build functional builds. But to get everything, you only have to do a little bit more work than leveling. So I'm perfectly content with that. I have to wonder exactly how much of that is actually true. Because I have a feeling because of the way the reward track is, all of the skills that people will want to actually use are going to be near the end of them. I think it depends also on how much your build is homogenized around one type of skill. Because every profession has, what is it, four? five yeah. um, mm -hmm. types of skills and so you know like wells shouts things like that and it seems like the these progression lines are based on the type and so if you were doing say a well build on a necro then you wouldn't actually have to spend that many points because you'd just do the well line and that would be all of your utility skills covered mm -hmm. but if you were doing I know some classes definitely sort of use one from here and one from here and one from here or even necromancer depending on what your build is. Um, so some of those builds feel like they're probably going to get hit a little bit harder on that front of, of needing to max out a lot of lines to get your functional build, whereas other builds are going to be a lot easier because you're just doing one thing. My advice to all people that are leveling lobies, if you have a signet line, go for that one first. Yeah, new, yeah, <laughs> new player pro tips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, signets are sort of the easy the easy mode. And speaking of skill types, because of the way they're doing this, there are skills that didn't have types previously that they're having to add them to now. And some of the like choices and things they've talked about sound really strange. Like for Guardian, Healing Breeze is going to be a shout. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fresh breath. That's what I was thinking, but like... <laughs> Uh, nothing says minty fresh breath like sh like breathing on a person and healing <sighs> them. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean the the thing that's really kind of exciting about that though is especially for shouts in particular is you know if you're running a shout build that's yet that's another potential shout that you could have access to that might actually make that skill worth taking probably won't be but um, <laughs> it, you know. Uh, it's it's interesting. And again, with them adding this like categorization to skills that didn't have them previously, there are traits that affect skills in certain categories. Like again, back to Guardian. Um Shelter. Is is that gonna be a consecration? Does that mean it's gonna get all those consecration traits added to it? Like if you have them? That sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that's and yeah, that's that's awesome. sort of what I mean. Like I was thinking on Guardian, the the shout traits, you know, that reduce your cooldowns and uh, convert conditions into boons and all that stuff. And then if you have runes of the mm, what is it now, soldier, soldier, I don't know, the whatever. Runes of yelling at people to yeah. cleanse condies. Yeah, exactly that one. Um, you know, that would make your healing skill now if you took healing breeze trigger all of those things. So yeah, interesting Sweet. stuff. Can we just go back a step um, to how you actually start unlocking some of these um, traits? 
Having not watched the live stream, I've only seen a couple of screenshots of like the UI and there's that sort of circle track which um, unlocks as you put more points into it and then mm-hmm. as you go further around, you unlock more and more traits. Is that for each um, specialization line or is that for all of them? For each. It's for okay. each specialization line and I believe for each skill type. There's exactly. like both. There's There's, say, the arcane specialization line progress track and then there's also the glyphs um track so like glyphs would unlock your skills and the arcana or arcane would would do your traits and there's like one for cantrips and one for um conjures right so you're you're unlocking both utility skills and um traits through this system Mm -hmm. right and each one has their own line so it, one line wouldn't be two things. But yeah, so they're condensing all of it into a common format. And I, I have to say, as a person who has lots of alts, I think it's a pretty good, a pretty good compromise between the current trait system that we have being kind of super frustrating or just expensive to unlock your traits again on a bunch of alts, while at the same time it's not... Mm, how should I put this, I guess? It's... I don't know. I, I I just like it a lot better. I think it's I think it's a much smoother experience and mm-hmm. yeah, it's much I, more streamlined. Yeah, it's much yeah. more streamlined. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can be very efficient if you know like your alt. You already have you know exactly what you want to do with them. You can only unlock the the lines that you that you want, and you don't have to waste time unlocking other stuff. Exactly. And it's it's less tedious too because the fact that each of the trait unlocks currently were are the same thing for each numbered trait in a line if that makes sense you know like the mm-hmm. first trait lines first trait you had to say you know do a jumping puzzle or whatever um you know it got it got really old if you wanted to do that on a bunch of characters uh, so but moving like a lot more the trait of the second line is killing the priest of grenth or whatever yeah yeah i also love that none of it's dependent on like events or map states yes yeah, and it's all um because it's not specific, you can do any map you want, any you know, just do what you want to get what you want. Yeah. However, and this is my one worry with the system, is World V World. Because and and retroactive things. Because right now I can guarantee you there are people in World V World that have not done any world completion and have spent buku tons of gold and skill points they've gotten from killing other people. To unlock other traits. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, so, that brings up uh, a secondary change to this, which you didn't mention, which is that the other uses for skill points that we already have and the other methods of acquiring them, namely skill scrolls, uh, are getting converted to a new type of currency uh, that will be going into your wallet and is account bound. So that means, you know, like you said, those people in World v. World that got all of their skill points from tomes, or, or not tomes, but scrolls, are. Yeah, I mean they're yeah, it's it's interesting. I I wonder if they have the capacity to find out the difference between the number of skill points that you the number of skill points you have currently, the number of skill points you have spent unlocking things and then the number of hero points or the number of skill challenges you've done in the open world and sort of like subtracting them from each other to give you some bonus currency back if you spent a bunch of currency on that but then lose it all because you haven't done any of the open world stuff. I think that would be an interesting question if if they have anything like that. I just think it's going to be incredibly frustrating for a world v world world v world player to have spent 
God only knows how much gold and skill points, whatever, after um, the nuclear experience launch on whatever character, and then they log on this day, and they're just like, oh, I only have 400 points. I need 65 more, even though I spent like 300 gold getting all my traits. Yeah. I imagine it'll be a case of if you've unlocked everything, then you will continue to have unlocked everything, and then they'll do some kind of measure of if you've unlocked or everything up to the Grandmasters and one Grandmaster, they'll convert that into some kind of a, a point. And then I, ultimately, if you haven't unlocked everything and you, you only get 400 points, you're kind of still in, this, in the same situation. You can still do stuff with those 400 points and you might still be able to do what you currently do. And it's just a matter of whether you, in fact, want everything and therefore you get those extra 65 points or whether you just sit with what you've got as you have been previously. I'm 99% sure that actually can't happen because the way that they've said it, the hero points, uh, the, the new version, are going to be finite and specifically yes. for leveling up plus open world skill challenges. So they they basically don't want you to have more hero like they're either slash there's no way or they don't want you to have more hero challenges than other players could have had simply because you've unlocked stuff another way do you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like yeah but i'm just thinking if you've already got it unlocked they're not gonna then lock it on you even if you haven't done the same equivalent number of hero challenges but you've done it in a different way because you did it before the system changed i just don't see them going back and locking stuff on people that have unlocked it. I mean, I so then how are they going to how are they going to do that then? I mean, how how are they going to denote your skill challenges in the open world? Are they just going to not give you points until uh, you've you met mean, an arbitrary threshold? Right, because someone <laughs> would then go out and do those hero challenges that they haven't done yet and somehow get more than 465 points. That okay. is yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's I mean but That's it's a big problem. It's I don't know how else they're going to do it if they just say you just don't have everything unlocked anymore. But, like, aren't you... you Even with the new system, you would end up with more than 465 points, right? Because there's more than 65 skill challenges. Yeah, you'd end up with, what, or, what yeah, it's 622? Uh, I think there's only 160 or something. I think uh, there's 222. I don't know. I can fire up Guild Wars right now. But the point is, that that is actually what the maximum is supposed to be. We, we're, we're tallying around the 465 because that's what a, a full unlock is, but it's actually, you're right, it is actually well, about 100 more than core, that. For, yes, for no core. idea what the Elite Specialization is right. going to be like. Right. But um, I have a feeling that the Elite Specialization is going to work more off of the map on HOT. Yeah, but the, the point still stands. Like, how... I don't know how they would possibly do that in an easy to communicate method without because what would be the difference from sort of a data perspective um from somebody that did all of the skill challenges in the open world got all the skills got all the traits and then consumed a bunch of skill point scrolls from somebody who consumed a bunch of skill point scrolls bought all the talents and traits and then went and did the open world skill challenges like mm. the like that's i i don't know i just i can't i can't think of a way for them to do it and i think it's it is kind of a can of worms because not everybody's going to be happy if i i just with the stated goal of having a finite number i don't think that they can really legitimately have a haves and have nots situation where some people will get 
more hero points than others based on like like a higher potential legacy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I really don't think they'll do that. And so if that's true, then I don't know how they're gonna do it. That's not gonna make people angry for. I mean, what you said. People are people might view that as losing progress, and that's. I, I mean, well, might not my view. It is. It would be. Um, I don't know. It's that's a real. It's a really good question. Because moving forward, then wonderful number of 65 isn't really that arbitrary when you think about it because that's the amount of potential hero points you'd be able to get doing this hero challenges in world to world so that's there they have that setup going forward but for other people that already unlocked everything in world to world and don't have hero challenges done what is going to happen to them yeah i don't, I don't know that um, maybe maybe somebody should submit that question <laughs> well we mentioned um elite specializations uh, just before, should we carry on and talk about that? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, it's I'm seeing 189 skill challenges for oh for the world completion, which I guess doesn't include some of the uh... world v world ones. Oh, does that no longer include the world v world ones? No. World v oh, okay. isn't part of world completion anymore. I couldn't remember if they'd actually done that or if they just talked about it. Okay, so yeah, that sounds about right. Is that so? Is that how many are in the world v world maps? It's, the 65? There's 13, and 13 times 5. I also wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, huh. going forward, they added new ways to get hero points in the new Borderlands. Yeah. So, I mean, existing, there's a few already, and then going forward, I would imagine there would be more. Yeah, that's a really a really smart point that you said, Evie, about if they have enough skill points to get a full core unlock just from Worldly World. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that angle. That's, yeah, that's really a good point but um yeah i mean christian's right it's a it's a heck of a knot of problems which anytime that you change i mean it's sort of like the npe i mean the npe anytime you fundamentally change the method of acquisition of things it can frustrate either newer or older players and it's it's pretty hard to find a perfect solution and by pretty hard i mean impossible largely impossible yeah (laughs) um but anyway, yeah, on to, on to the elite specializations. Uh, do you want to cover that, Christian? Uh, I can launch into it, I guess. So on top of the what used to be trait lines and are now specializations, the elite specializations are um, basically like your profession upgrade. So they're the ones that will, um, I think we've had announced, so the ranger can be a druid. Um, and that will unlock a bunch of new skills and an, a new weapon as well if you um, go all the way into that specialization line. Well, you don't really go into it anymore. Well, fully unlock it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, with the hero point system. Yeah. So, what was that? There are um, specialization-based skins. Are we talking weapon skins armor uh, weapon skins? and helm or shoulder i believe they said it, it was either in the blog post or the live stream honestly there's been so much information that i've got it all jumbled up but somewhere they said we would be getting specialization based skins they said it would be similar to the skins you get from like the choices you make a character creation most of them are helms there's a few shoulders there's like one back piece i think Okay, so that's a that becomes then a, a visual way of identifying yourself as as whatever specialization you're playing as, and on top of that, you also get um, a specific profession icon depending on that specialization. So, like uh, the thief has is it the key and the, the dagger mm-hmm. as a normal icon, 
um, there'll then be a, a different icon for whichever specialization you've chosen uh, as a thief. Elite specialization. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> which also this sort of answers people's questions, I guess, on how it would be implemented. That because it was said in the past, I believe that you'd only be able to if they add more specializations in the future, pick one at a time. Uh, and I guess the the naming of elite specialization is sort of a telling slash uh, useful consistency where you can only you only have one elite skill and so similarly you only can have one elite and specialization line in the panel for specializations and where you see like the three of them the one in the bottom has a gold border and that is where an elite specialization has to go so there's also a strong visual cue and so you can only have one yeah so. yeah yeah and yeah. the elite specialization uh, if you choose it, will replace one of the n normal specializations that you would mm -hmm. normally it choose. Will, it would be correct? one of the three. Right. right. So yeah. you can only ever choose three, and that includes uh, putting in an elite specialization. Yeah, which also answers that question that people had of, you know, well, why wouldn't you? Or how is that ever a downside? You know, it's like, well, the downside is that you only get two other trait lines. So if you had a, a build that was really strong with three trait lines, then, you know, well, then you may not have the room or flexibility to, you know, uh, to, to take a third or, you know, to swap one of those out for the elite specialization. So um, it's going to be the return of deadly arts, critical strikes, assassins. I'm telling you, <laughs> they're coming I'm back all for this. Does it, will that include shadow form? Ooh. As long as you can keep it up permanently. Excellent. <laughs> Um, well, that's good because that then means that not every ranger is going to then automatically just become a druid and there won't be any rangers left. Yep. Yeah. And, I, and speaking of shadow form, you have to remember that it's going to be basically useless for the first two years. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like thieves? Oh. That hurt me on a spiritual <laughs> level. Thank you. Now I have to go watch Game of Thrones. I'll be here oh, all night. Oh, that's good. No, keep that out. We need to keep watching that. Yeah, just keep just keep doing spiritual harm to her, and you know she'll go back to Game <laughs> of Thrones. It's yeah, um, yeah. See, gosh, it's already half an hour in, and we haven't even talked about a single professions change. It's this is gonna be a long one, guys. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 what you said is is I think very true. I think that there's going to be a lot of cases where people aren't going to be using their specialization, or rather, that many of the current builds won't be destroyed by the addition of new specializ or new elite specializations it'll be new options but it won't necessarily be the be all end all like everybody will do x or yeah i which i think is healthy i mean i think that's that's good i just really hope that the elite specializations aren't so far ahead or so far behind that people will begin to discriminate against if you have it or not because of some weird arbitrary meta well, weird arbitrary metas will always occur to some extent or another, so I think there might be some small degree to which that's not avoidable, but I don't think it'll necessarily be specifically elite specialization so much as just the general trait overwork like might create new meta builds in and of itself. Um so yeah, I think that's I think that's somewhat unavoidable. So maybe a couple of things to wrap up. Um, about spe elite specializations. Um, so the core specializations, which is basically the trait line rework, that's all coming before the expansion. And then the elite specializations will be released uh, with the expansion. 
they've already was this let slip or was this announced that tempest is the name of an elementalist specialization it was slipped but then they like slipped it so much they're just like yeah we're we're owning up to it it's tempest okay <laughs> and they're going to be announcing um or the first official reveal of an elite specialization will be next week and it's not going to be the druid which because it's going to be the tempest because they've already said it <laughs> <laughs> oh we slipped up we'd better do this one first yeah, which would actually be um, good because if I'm not mistaken, Elementalist was the first profession that was announced pre-launch. I was just gonna say, are they gonna follow the yep. same um, cycle as last time? Which means Warrior would be second, right? Then Ranger. Yep. Well, you guys oh, that, have really good memory. I don't remember that at all. I remember Elementalist I can, first. I think I can do all of them, but I won't because we need to go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So yeah, that pretty much that pretty much wraps up all of the the general stuff that we've had. And also, I want to to say that I think it's really smart that they're rolling out the trait changes first because that way you'll get to know if your precious dear build that you have has been completely shattered, or if you need to go out with a specific character and bust your bust your butt and get a few more skill points or hero points. Sorry to rebuild yourself if like me you have a character that was leveled solely in queensdale and has literally <laughs> five skill points from that zone hero points i'm never gonna not call them skill points um yeah I, so I, I think it's smart to get that out ahead just so that it lessens the shell shock of all the crazy stuff that's gonna happen <laughs> when when heart of thorns actually hits yeah. so speaking of general changes we haven't touched on yet the condition and boon changes about poison oh, yeah burning, yeah, that's going to color some of our some of our uh, feedback on some of these classes too. Yeah, so it sounds like all of the non non intensity stacking damaging damage conditions, conditions, namely poison and burning, are going to now instead stack intensity, just like bleeding does. And so quickness is now a boon instead of an effect, which is awesome. I'm glad. So that, that can be stripped and buffed in duration exactly. and all that kind of stuff as well, and converted. And presumably passed to allies as well, I guess. <gasps> oh my god! I oh, also on. means I affected by boon duration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's interesting and good. Especially, I especially as a condition character, I'm glad with the fire and poison changes because it made it it made those conditions feel even more pointless when <laughs> you know it's like yay a hundred thousand seconds of burning damage <laughs> oh look they stripped it or just in general i mean yeah it, or even poison with like thieves because right now with dagger you apply poison on every third strike and it's just like oh i'm pretty much permanently keeping poison on this thing yeah so it's, it's well necro like, too yeah well, and you probably still will be permanently keeping poison on them, for which which affects their healing, but it'll just be... Um, it'll stack damage, and it'll feel nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If other people are applying poison, you're going to actually be doing more damage. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, so we actually... I think we're going to sort of put each... We're going to mostly talk about each profession with one person doing the main the main talking points on it, because uh, that way we've divvied up some of our responsibilities, but... Um, and I'm just... going to interject on everybody because I am opinionated and extremely rude. 
Yeah, sure. Just like you interrupted <laughs> that sentence there. No, um, <laughs> but let's, uh, yeah, well, I think we'll probably just jump around so that we're not doing one person talking for an hour straight and then the next person. So um, that's probably going to screw up our show notes, but so it shall be. Um, but speaking of show notes, first one is Warrior. Whose responsibility was that? That's me. Go. All right. So Warrior is... I would I would say one of the ones that's changing kind of the least. There's some interesting stuff. Uh, physical skills, especially, and I'm really I'm really keen on this change, are changing so that if your endurance is greater than 50%, they have an additional effect. So you'll stomp farther, you'll kick farther, you'll throw your bolos faster, and also rampage and mending are becoming physical skills. So they'll they'll benefit from also those effects, but also things from uh, physical traits. Which is really exciting to me, because I think those skills didn't quite get enough play. I only really throw them on if I need Buku CC for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard Buku, like, ten times today. How? Okay, continue. I'm sorry, my <laughs> slang is, like, from a few decades thrown in a blender, and then just random stuff pops out. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Healing Surge uh, will be a shout, but there's not going to be an elite shout. And Healing Signet is getting the regen lowered, but the re- you'll gain resistance for six seconds when you use it. And if you've forgotten what resistance is, uh, it's one of the new boons that they're adding, which allows you to take conditions, but not be affected by them. So if you have resistance and people are piling conditions on you, you will still have those 10 stacks of bleeding. And as soon as the resistance falls off, that will um, begin to affect you. But while it's on, you take no impact from those conditions. And it's not just damaging conditions. It's also things like chill. Um, right. knockdowns, whatever. All those conditions will not affect you while you have resistance. Right, and yeah, so that's kind of cool that uh, Healing Signet actually has a reason to apply it now. So that drives me nuts when Insignets don't have a reason to proc their active. Mm-hmm. Hole? Yep. Christ- hold on, Christian, you, mic- you muted your mic. Uh, my question was, so do you think, um, or do you know if resistance applies before or after the healing? I don't know. Because then that would cancel out poison, making making healing signet quite a strong option. Which I imagine I would it wager. I would yeah. I would wager. Um, in I think in every case except for hidden shadows, the effect is secondary to the heal. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the trait lines. I'm just gonna go through a little a little bit of each one and call out some traits that I think are cool. Um, strength is your your kind of physical skill line, and it's also got a little bit of damage. But when I was looking through it, I I felt that it really lacked a lot of synergy because um, the great sword and axe traits are in here. But when I was looking at it and I was thinking, ah, yes, I have run an axe mace build now. So what traits would I pick? I only liked the axe one. So I'm a little bit worried that if you are going specifically for axe or great sword traits, you're going to acquire a few ones that you don't really want in the meantime. Well- Mm, the great sword trade is in master. Yeah, but you still um, because you have to you have to invest in the whole line now. You can't just go partway mm-hmm. in. So if you want that great sword trait, you also end up with a grandmaster that might not synchronize so well. Because if I mean, if you go all the way in, one of your choices is axe mastery, and so you have axe and great sword in the same one, or uh, you have to pick from the other grandmasters. I don't have them in front of me. I'm sorry, and I don't remember because um, there's just so much stuff. The other but... ones are Berserker's Power and Distracting Strikes. Berserker's Power gives you um, more damage when you use Burst Skill, and the power is based on how much adrenaline you've built. And then Distracting okay. Strikes uh, gives you Might and causes confusion when you interrupt a skill. Right, but then, yeah, I don't know. It's just, 
for me, I couldn't find a, like, there wasn't three traits in that line that I would pick all together. Like, I would pick Mm -hmm. some of those traits, but not together. And because we have to pick them together, that frustrated me. Yeah, um, this is something I've seen with all of the professions, where they have, like, weapon traits in different tiers. I'd really like to see, like, if a trait line has multiple weapon traits for them to be in the same um, tier, like all master or all adept. Mm, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I don't know. I find like, I feel like that would kind of actually be really frustrating. I guess it depends on the profession, but I, especially, especially if they were from different, if there were weapon traits in two different lines, it would feel frustrating that arbitrarily some weapon combinations, you could have both of them because they were from different lines, but some you just couldn't because they're in the same line at the same tier. Is sort of just because. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that as a generic change. There's a lot of stuff I don't know. We're basically John Snow in really this episode. More of an issue with warriors specifically because axes and greatsword kind of fill the same role in terms of melee DPS. Yeah, based. Sure. I mean, I guess uh, one thing is I to to sort of play off of what Kate was talking about. It's in some ways a little bit of a downside to this system where unless the trait previously was a grandmaster, you could just invest a little bit into that line and then invest into multiple other lines if you just wanted one trait whereas if if in the case of say this first line you feel that the traits aren't necessarily that synergistic it can kind of feel like a waste that you're spending an entire line just for this single trait and then you're kind of just tacking stuff on i mean which it it existed before to some extent but with the more customization of having points it was mitigated somewhat sometimes anyway i don't know just just an interesting thought Maybe, I mean, it's prevalent in some of the other professions as well, that, that feeling of not being as synergistic. Maybe it's to make sure that whatever build choices you make aren't going to be completely one-dimensional and therefore upping some of the um, potential and ins and outs of the build, I guess. Making the synergy between picking multiple uh, specializations that synergize with each other in different ways, rather than, mm. oh, I'm picking all these things in one specialization that synergize with each other. Yeah. So thinking, yeah, thinking more about synergy across lines rather than within lines. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think it, it sort of depends on the specific instance, obviously, because... It's. I think it's great to have to be doing synergies across multiple lines, but I feel like if that is manifested in the way that only one of the traits from that line feels like it synergizes with your other lines, it kind of. I don't know. That kind of feels bad to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, like not like maybe it's not necessarily that if you if you want to do a greatsword build you just pick one line and then that's all of your traits for the greatsword build but similarly <laughs> like having to pick you know two or three lines to get two or three traits and then having a bunch of extraneous ones well that's where you want to make sure that whatever those extraneous ones are still um offering you benefits in other ways so that say if you've if you have got a couple 
and that go towards greatsword and they're in different lines you can't just think about just having greatsword you got to think about all the other stuff and make sure that that all works as well yeah as long as it as long as it fits towards what your build is trying to do you know because having having like say cc heavy reliant traits or whatever in greatsword in in lines that have greatswords are useless unless your other weapon is like a hammer <laughs> um yeah, but exactly. anyway yeah it's yeah it's it's uh challenge i mean that's anyway go back to back to kate we're we're already way off the rails (laughs) (laughs) all right so um arms defense and tactics are pretty similar to what they are currently um one thing i thought was really neat in in arms was that they're linking crits to condi damage through fury so the this line a lot of traits give you fury but and but through giving yourself fury you also buff um condi damage and bleed duration and your sword skills so I think there's some interesting um, opportunities for play there. And just looking through that, I felt that there was a lot better synergy in that line. Um, the defense line, pretty much as advertised, it's defensive. <laughs> it's all about um, buffing your traits, or buffing your defense, rather, through um, uh, smart play. So things like blocking increases your toughness for a certain amount of time. Um, and I, I really like this trend. I saw it in a couple other professions, too, where um, smart play buffs you so things like interrupting gives you an effect um successful dodges giving you an effect um i really 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 like that those kinds of changes because i am so happy when active skillful play is rewarded not just flat damage numbers whoever came up with the tech where they can like grab if you successfully evade or activating skill effects like that you have like you deserve a raise I think it's really funny, actually, that they said that they recently developed that when clearly there is some method of knowing because it displays the evade message, you know? Like, well, yeah, I was going to say, I thought that was already there. <laughs> Plus, they used to track it for daily reward as well. Yeah, it, it probably, I mean, there probably was a tech thing involved where certain types of the core engine wasn't able to communicate with that directly, and it was sort of a attack on. I mean, I can, as a as a programmer, I can fully comprehend how that could be possible where it looks obviously like they had some interaction with it but those interactions had no way of talking to each other but i just thought that was kind of funny that it's just like (laughs) we know we know when you evade well you you did know before but not the right thing new so no but it's i i really like that they're hooking those things in together i think that's really smart as well yeah um one thing in tactics i thought was cool and potentially weird is that there's a Grandmaster trait which gives you double the effect for leap finishers. Um, so if you're leaping through a chaos field, for example, you get chaos armor, <laughs> and uh, it's double the duration. Um, which is interesting in a way because it seems like it would be... Actually, here's, here's my problem. I'm just starting over. Here's my problem with this trait. It is good in group settings because you can leap through um, other people's combo fields and it's weak in solo settings because warrior doesn't have access to a lot of combo fields it's got a couple but not many and if you're using a longbow which is where i think your fire field comes from and i'm not sure that they have any others um you don't have a finisher on the longbow so you're reliant on your utilities um and then that's also in the same slot as the Grandmaster for Phalanx Strength. So if you're in a group setting 
And you're, why are you not running failing strength? And if you're not in a group setting, then this trait is hamstrung by the fact that you don't have many, um, don't have many combos to to make. So I really like the idea of the trait, but I'm worried that it's just not going to see any use because it's not very practical. I guess the one use uh, using that example straight away would be if you had two warriors in a group, one of them could run with the combo finisher, and, and then the other one could run with phalanx strength. But that's really it. And yeah, it's but I mean, niche. yeah. So if one's running phalanx strength and you want to do damage, then why isn't why aren't you just investing in another line? I guess. I yeah. I just that's just one of those right, examples that made me think well this is really cool but i would never use it which is really sad because i want to there's so many traits i've noticed that i've like oh i can think of a really cool way to use that and that's just one of them where i was like hey that sounds i don't know what to use that for so i hope someone out there knows what to use that for because it does sound really cool it's a it brings up a really interesting disconnect between pve and pvp especially um organized is that there are a lot of classes that have either a lot of fields or a lot of finishers and not a lot of the other and that feels kind of frustrated or wasted in in most pve situations because it's like either it's just a total crapshoot what fields are around you or who has finishers or you know uh you know or you just don't get to use them at all whereas in pvp there's definitely that element of you know in in world v world for example you know it's like ever it's like put your file fields down that's ellie's that's your job you know you put those fields down and then warriors smash them and blast them and all those things and you know so it, it feels really cool sometimes to have sort of a specialized role based on the combo system but in just sort of open world pve sometimes a lot of that's if not frustrating, at least kind of not necessarily useful. So just, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, I don't know what they can do to fix that though, because I don't, I think that's a very intentional choice, you know, to have warriors not, to have warriors be finishers and to have, you know, Ellie's and Necros and whatever be creators. Yeah. Uh, so the, well, there, yeah, there's one more trait line and it's the, what is currently the profession based one. Um, this one, it really benefits weapon swap and ranged weapons. There's also the hammer trait in here. Um, I, it seemed to me like in the, in the current system, I always really like to go into the profession baseline because there's a, usually interesting traits that change how it's played, but I felt in this one, it was pretty kind of like like the beginning maybe like weak and disconnected because there's so many different weapon traits in there um that you're and they're on different tiers so your choices are limited basically to two so you're you're saying okay i want to play with a rifle um but then the master trait benefits longbow and the grandmaster trait benefits hammer so then if you're playing with that rifle and you're not using those other two weapons you essentially only have two choices between your master and grandmaster traits which is kind of sad um, so yeah, I didn't like that all of the weapons were crammed in there, but I don't know. I'm not, I like my warrior for organized PVE, but other than that, I, I'm not really an authority on warriors, so I couldn't tell you much more than that. I think overall the, the existing warrior builds for PVE especially are just pretty much going to get buffed. It seems like a lot of the, the current stuff is there and then they'll have a little bit more access to defensive stuff as well. Uh, just continually incredibly offensive support and and DPS, but I yeah. I don't really know how this is going to change world v world and PvP. Also, I feel it's worth noting that because of the stat changes on trait lines, that also means that the unique trait stats for your unique trait lines are going away. So um, I don't even remember what it was for warrior, but 
for uh, Necro having it affect Death or Dark Shroud or Death Shroud, as it were. Um, you know, is is no longer just an inherent fact of that trait line, which well, it, sort of. They touched it on that with the elementalist of it, with how Arcana um, reduces the cooldown of a two-man swapping, mm-hmm. and the way they said it was first off, they're reducing the base of it to I think ten seconds, which is lower than the current twelve. And when you specialize into Arcana there will be a slight boost to that on top of the buff slash nerf. Not sure exactly which way to go with that one, because it's lower. Yeah. Well, I mean, but but in a way that sort of still is like true with what I'm saying, which is that I feel like pretty much every profession is probably going to have at least half of whatever that trait line's special trait was baked into Mm -hmm. their class always, which means that that trait line itself is relatively less, you know... Impactful. Uh, impactful in that, that way. Concerned. Yeah. But I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, just with the idea of adding these new ones and adding specializations and and all that jazz, I, I don't I don't know that that's necessarily bad to, to no longer have quite as much emphasis on a quote-unquote profession-specific like trait line, because they're all profession-specific anyway. So, <laughs> like... I know they are all supposed to be about your profession mechanic, but that's s- sort of a, yeah, you know, it's sort of hit or miss whether or not that's a relevant distinction on different trait lines. So, um, did you have anything else to say about the warrior spirit? Not right now. Yeah, you guys ha- agree with the consensus generally about Zerk PVE Zerk is probably just going to be basically the same with a, a few more extra add-ons. Mm-hmm. And even in PvP, like. The meta builds for Warrior, I mean, they're going to change a little bit, but effectively, they're still kind of there. Um, okay. Uh, Christian, do you want to do one of your professions? I don't know which ones yours are. Yeah, sure. Um, I was covering... Well, I can start with the Mesma. Okay. Seeing as that is the, prof- uh, the profession I actually know most about, even though I haven't played in a wee while now. So, um... There are a whole bunch of traits uh, across all the professions, I think, um, that have been removed and then just added to your baseline stats of your class. So I'll just run through a quick list of some of the, the Mesmer ones uh, and, and mention which ones are kind of interesting, I guess, that you now just get by default without any investment. Um, so one of them is Illusionary Elasticity, and I always used to like this one. It basically means that any bouncing attack bounces to an additional target. So it used to be really good for um, your staff, especially once you um, pump some clones out. So that's that's a little buff for your staff, and I know there are some other um, bouncing attacks as well. Greatsword. Right, yeah, greatsword too. Uh, and then, yeah, the, trident. the pistol. Yes, trident. Oh, oh, musical man. notes of death. That brings me back, because trident used to be broken at some point. <laughs> it was so much fun with illusionary elasticity. Because of all the boon buffing and then bleeding on crit, you could stack 25 stacks of bleeding. Anyway, um, the um, all the damage boosts to phantasms, there used to be a few different ones, I think, uh, traits that you could pick, and they're now all being rolled into one, and phantasms are just getting a flat damage boost. Um, your manipulation range, so your, all your manipulation utility skills, they're going to be buffed in range. And glamour mastery, which was... 
I think, cooldown reduction. Um, so feedback and null field and whatnot, they're all having their base cooldowns reduced. Is that, um, I, sorry, also, I have a question. I don't know if, yeah. it's, if anyone knows, but I would like to know the answer if anyone does know. Um, so we presume with the way every skill is getting a type ascribed to it, that time warp will become a glamour because that's the one that it fits best. Um, do you know if that will benefit from the reduction as well, or is that because it was not considered a glamour currently, it will not? I would say... I guess it depends how they implement it. Either they're just manually going to go through, pick all the glamour skills that they want and cut the cooldowns, or they'll just be a background thing that says, is the thing a glamour? If yes, then reduce 20%. I have a feeling they're going to go with the first one. Yeah. Like, oh hey, all these things that were affected by this trait don't have that trait anymore, so we're just going to fix it. And as far as the baseline stuff goes, there's also Illusionary Persona and Protective Mantras being made baseline. Yeah, I couldn't remember exactly what those two did, so I didn't mention them. Uh, uh. <laughs> Illusionary Persona makes your actual character, like the Mesmer, count as an illusion uh, yeah. for yeah. Shatters. So, little... Oh. That's like a fourth... Daily. You were like, oh, that's just for happening yes. all the time now? Oh, that's yep. so yeah. good. Oh. That used to be a Grandmaster. <laughs> I know. I After having switched to a Shatter build for PvP stuff, like... My god. Uh, and protective mantras was a huge boost to toughness while channeling mantras, is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, so they're all pretty... That's, like, on paper, that all looks really nice. <laughs> like, that's a huge amount of buffs. Um, another thing that they're changing pretty much across the board for the Mesmer is that I think retaliation has effectively been removed from any trait. So any trait that used to give you retaliation some way is having that removed because the idea being retaliation works best when you're being hit and as a mesmer you don't really want to get hit so why try and spec into that yeah i've actually never really liked retaliation as a as a boon in this game for most professions in the first place for pretty much that exact reason anyway um but it's it's especially true on the squishy professions it's like could you give me something more useless right (laughs) i feel it's right at home on the guardian because you counteract um, the fact that you're taking damage with all your defensive stuff, but yeah, that's another thing. So now, in terms of the way they're changing up the the kind of style of the mesmer with all the different um, trait and specialization changes, there's a big increase in the number of interrupt-based traits. We already had a slight increase in those, I think, last time when they did the um, profession reworks. But that's only being ramped up even further. So now the domination trait line has pretty much got an interrupt decision at almost every step, which includes the return of the old school power block from Guild Wars 1, where you would increase the cooldown on an opponent's skill if you interrupted it. Well, power block in Guild Wars 1 was way better than that, but... Well, yeah, that shut down all the skills, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, the it did. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't yeah. um, quite black out, though. No, but then Blackout was doing it to yourself at the same time. And melee range. Yeah. Um, and then another cool interrupt um, trait was that um, with, uh, when you interrupt a foe, you, you can recharge your pistol skills or reduce the cooldown by 50%. And I really liked um, that kind of shift, and it's coming across in a number of other places where cooldown reduction isn't just a flat baseline anymore. It's more a- active, so you do things to reduce the cooldown. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, one of those other ones for the Mesmer was um, a great, great sword grandmastery, where your auto attack uh, on the great sword and any of the clones that are auto attacking with a great sword reduces the cooldown on your great sword skills. So you kind of turn into this machine gun Mesmer with a great sword and quickness, and your cooldowns are just disappearing. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean. To to echo what Kate said earlier, they're they're making a lot of changes to promote active smart play, which is the Mesmer is a huge example of this just overall. Yeah. So one of the may I don't know maybe controversial um, or bigger bigger changes in terms of affecting build choice maybe is that deceptive evasion, which was the one where you dodge roll and then you pop out a, a clone every time you dodge roll. That's now being turned into a grandmaster trait. Which means that I think the clone factory kind of build is going to be a uh, there's going to be a tougher decision to actually go towards that. Uh, I, not really, because those people usually already put are going to put points into dueling, and yep. it's only competing with harmonious mantras and mistrust. One of them is an interrupt thing, and the other is a mantra thing. So it's, I mean, it's going to have a place. And yeah. it's not like anything is overshadowed. If anything, those other two traits are being overshadowed by deceptive evasion. Right. Because yeah. it was, I mean, deceptive evasion was pretty much a default thing that you picked no matter what you were doing on your Mesmer. Unless it was just that useful. Build and yeah. Yeah. Weirdness. But, like, the way they're doing it now, they want people to actually shatter rather than keep things out or let them be killed, which I'm kind of. Eh. Illusions well, that was already distract people, but whatever. Yeah, clone like the the play with clones, like shatter clones, that was already there. With you want to be shattering them, mm-hmm. and there's always going to be that kind of um, trade off if you're trying to use phantasms or clones. Is that your shatter just kills them both? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just a flat nerf for shatter builds. The with the some of the changes that they made with regard to that. Because, like, you, you, as you said, you already wanted to shatter them, so uh, losing the on-death effects um, well, from them dying is just a flat nerf. Like, when you shattered those illusions, it didn't activate the them dying effects. What? Yes, it did. No. no. Uh, I can't remember. I know I'm I've played pretty with both sure traits on and off, but I, I can't remember. I never watched that closely. Um... So then, uh, yeah, moving on, there's another um, sort of nice big combination as all the different Signet Mastery traits, which were scattered all over the place. They're all being pretty much rolled into one trait. So you'll get evasion, condition removal, and um, the baseline cooldown reduction every time you um, use a Signet. Mm-hmm. So that kind of then leads it to being perhaps more useful to try and use some Signets instead of just having one on the bar and not really trading for it. Yeah, and then the other big change, or the other big thing that I sort of picked up on was that there's a much love for crit again, and on hit, you know, on crit effects, with uh, one of the traits being confusion on crit for both yourself and your clones, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that kind of got me excited again because one of the, f- I think one of the first um, setups I had with my mesmer was actually rampages because I was bleed, um, getting bleeds on crit. I thought that was kind of cool, so I wanted some precision and condi damage. Uh, so I wondered if that might then, you know, lead back into becoming more viable 
especially with some other traits where um, I, I saw there was like a, a combination where you could get um, confusion. Yeah, confusion on shatter and then also torment if you hit more than five stacks of confusion on someone. So if you can build confusion really quick, quickly through crits and shatters, you're going to be stacking up heaps of confusion and a decent amount of torment as well. So I really like how that kind of takes us back to the shutdown and denial style in Guild Wars 1 where you kind of throw a bunch of stuff at someone and they freak out about not being able to do anything like either I have to stand still to try and mitigate the amount of damage I take or I have to not cast any skills so I mitigate the amount of damage I'm taking. So I like that and as well the the interrupt stuff uh, is nice. It's nice to see it going back to its roots. Yeah, overall, it looks like the Mesmer is going to be much more, uh, I don't want to say reactive, but twitchy in PvP in order to play really effectively. And it's much more of a throwback to Guild Wars 1. I really like that. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how some of these changes affect PvE. Um, I don't know. Go ahead, Spirit. One, it sounds like you were saying I don't something. Know, maybe you don't have... Yeah, I don't know if you have an answer to this either, but... Um... I know a lot of you guys did like the Guild Wars 1 Mesmer, but I didn't so much, and I did like the Phantasm builds in Guild Wars 2. Do you know where those sit with these changes? Um, because of the emphasis they're putting on shattering, um, Phantasm builds have kind of gone as they stand right now, where you just put three out and let them sit. However, um, there's like the support thing they've added now, Grandmaster and I think Inspiration, where whenever you summon a Phantasm, you cast Signet of Inspiration, which, yes. That's my favorite skill. Okay, so so there still is some interesting opportunities for play with Phantasms. It's just not what it usually is. Okay, excellent. And there's also the thing now, um, I can't remember, again, exactly where it is, but there's, when you shatter phantasms, it reduces the cooldown on the skills that summon them. Yeah, that's so, right. So there's less of a um, penalty for getting rid of your phantasms because you can at least get them back up a bit quicker. I still see like there being um, the opportunity to run phantasm builds offensively, especially with this crit trait. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose that depends on whether it's on phantasms or clones. I have to double check the wording. Legendary, like the phantasm on staff is going to be intense with yeah. that confusion on crit, uh, crit trait and bleeding. And especially um, with the illusionary elasticity, because that just ups your condi output on staff so much. Um, as far as the actual way it plays, I think it's going to be more... There's going to be more emphasis on making sure you shatter your phantasms before they die. Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah, I'm just reading that trait again. It says, confusing combatants, you and your illusions inflict confusion when you critical hit. So based on that wording, that includes phantasms and clones. So, yeah. I, mm-hmm. like, I used to always like having three pistol um, phantasms out and stack bleeding on crit, and now if I can stack confusion on crit as well, I think that makes it more viable. So I think the Mesmer's probably got a, a big buff towards condition damage. Sector and pistol the shadow. Staff. It's going to be a thing. The what? Scepter Pistol Staff is going to be a thing. Yeah. And that, yeah, so that, that pretty much is all I have to sort of summarize about what I quickly read through based on the Mesmer. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah, I feel like Mesmer is getting a lot of changes. A lot of interesting... A lot of mm-hmm. interesting changes. They've probably changed the most out of all of the professions. 
I was definitely very excited reading through the the traits, and that may just be because I'm interested in in how Mesmer plays. Uh, but compared with reading some of the other professions, it was a lot more interesting. I felt. Yeah, and Mesmer has always been one of the more active professions, similar to Thief, and I think I guess Ellie too. Being, I don't know. I guess I just I feel like requiring a little bit more situational awareness and active attention paying to really get the most out of a lot of your abilities. So a lot of these. You know, a lot of these changes are gearing even more heavily towards that. I would say. So, um. So, Grabbuck, which one are you doing? Oh, I guess I will do Necromancer because that is my main, and that is the one that I didn't have to think about that hard. Um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of the stuff in Necromancer wasn't changed up terribly much but there were a few big standouts that i'm definitely going to call out um similar to how we talked about um similar to how we talked about some shuffling and rearranging of trait lines there were a few really big um key either position or altogether trait line swap arounds that i think were probably really good for the most part um we were talking about before with regard to putting points into spite just to get the condition duration and obviously that's not a thing anymore and with that it looks like they've really pushed spite to being almost entirely based on power necromech uh, power necros so um you know doing doing extra damage at, at health thresholds uh, stacking vulnerability things like that and it doesn't really offer a ton to condition necromancers anymore and a uh, standout there is that doomfire is no longer a spite trait so um i guess i i feel like doomfire was kind of almost a consolation for condi necros for putting 30 points into that line for the condi duration and so yeah I, you don't have to go into spite as yeah. Andy Necro if you don't want to yeah exactly now yeah no i won't put any points there and probably rebalancing on condition durations as a as an effect of not having that well actually i'll get to that in curses because there's a trait line that has an in, enormous buff um so yeah curses they took some of the uh, must always take if you're doing condies uh, traits and just integrated them either into the minor traits or into other traits. So um, hemophilia is the big one, which was increased bleed duration, and that was a minor or an adept trait before, and that's just uh, part minor. of a minor. Yeah, so you just always have that, which is great because it just, you know, it it was just one of those traits. Is like you just you just have to take it, and so it's kind of um it's it's a good choice to do that. Um, and then they shuffled around terror into the top into the grandmaster um which is a very good choice i think because of the other grandmasters in that trait i feel like curses is one of the best designed like uh traits that embodies what we were talking about earlier about you know as long as your other options in the line are actually interesting it's not necessarily a problem mm -hmm. um because I, does do you do any of you guys know if people use the one that heals you based on condition damage that's happening that you're doing? I don't remember what it's actually called. With this new number, if it is indeed new, because I vaguely remember it being five percent. Um, I can actually see that happening in PvP. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, fifteen percent. That is way bigger. I think. Anyway. 
Although it might be 15% now, and I just I remember it being 5% at some point because the crit trait for thieves was 5% a while. Uh, but as far as Grandmaster Curses is concerned, I, I can see people using all three of those. Yeah, which is yeah, which is the point I was about to get into, which is the, like if if that one is is still worth taking, that's a really good attrition trait. Um, you know, healing you based on the condition damage that you're doing mm-hmm. because you're going to be doing a lot of condition damage. Uh, paired up against terror, which is for a big sort of condi spike damage from all the fear traits. Um, not a mandatory trait per se, although it was always taken because there wasn't much of an opportunity cost. Um, but it's very strong and I feel like it deserves Grandmaster. And then the third one, which is a brand new trait, at least as was spoiled there, is plus 100% condition duration, as long as you're using a scepter. Um, Which is subject to change because they emphasize we're not finalized with the numbers, but, but if they put it in, that means that they were thinking about it. So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that um you know, I this is a little bit separate. Well, I guess I'll finish the point I was going to say on traits. But anyway, all three of those are really strong and I can obviously see huge cases for all three of them in PVP as EV was saying, like the it's it's hard to or not hard. It can be hard to stack a lot of bleed onto somebody in in certain like team fighting situations. So the condition duration might not necessarily be as helpful for you as being able to just do a big terror spike or um or fight the well, long haul out. That depends on if the cap is also going to go away in PvP. Yeah, well that's that's true. I mean yeah, a lot, lot of this is subject to change or subject to be different than we're anticipating. But regardless, um, all th- all three of those traits are very strong sounding and are good choices. And yeah, I, I, I really like what they did with the curses line. So I think that was a good choice. I'm checking in game right now. Uh, yeah, it's it's five percent healing in game right now so that would be triple the healing effect of what you currently have so uh yeah no that's that's a good choice especially if they don't increase the condi duration on the class overall to make up for the loss of the spite line and instead put it all into that trait meaning that you have effectively 30 percent well and maybe that's why they have triple the value if you have 30 percent less condi duration anyway um yeah Good, good stuff. Uh, the curses line is pretty, pretty exciting as a as a Condi Necro. Um, death magic. I honestly didn't see that much different with death magic. Maybe that's because I don't use death magic all that much. <laughs> um, they, yeah, uh, they took out one of the staff traits from death magic and put it elsewhere, which yeah, I guess is mildly annoying, but whatever. Yeah, um, and they combined. A few traits, one of which I I personally didn't like, um, and put it into a Grandmaster trait. So now the Grandmaster trait that increases damage minions deal also makes it where minions will take conditions from you every 10 seconds, which means they die faster. So, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Necromantic Corruption? Yes. Oh, yeah, but when it attacks, it transfers conditions to a target. Oh. Yeah, so it takes it from you and then puts it on the enemy. So you've got a free condition removal every 10 seconds. Well, 
Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, it's got a 10 second cooldown, so... Okay. Yeah, this it's got is a... why I wasn't assigned to Necromancer, because I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually didn't quite catch that either until I looked at it to, to make sure I was up on what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. I've never really run a Necro Minion Master build in Guild Wars 2 because I hated the AI problems, and I hated the fact that they instantly got exploded in PvE. So I haven't really revisited those builds. A lot of the... Similar to some of the things on mesmer a lot of the core um minion traits that were just sort of like duh auto includes that were just boring static numbers were just um factored into the the baseline so um but yeah uh yeah yeah i mean so death obviously death magic is obviously the minion line overall so if if that's what you're gonna do that's what it's gonna be um blood magic again not really much has changed um the siphons aren't strong enough to warrant really going into this and really motivate like they're not worth the opportunity cost from exactly having a full other line with another grandmaster in it yeah um so kind of disappointing i actually my i had a well build before and i think i put some points into blood magic for one of the traits that's no longer there so i guess that's you know um free <laughs> uh, oh speaking of wells uh the the functionality of the ground oh i think it was ground targeted wells actually was in blood magic is mm-hmm. it's baseline going now. baseline so Ooh. i know some people are unhappy with that but i think they'll adapt i think ground targeted wells are really neat especially the blinding one um although really all of them because they're really powerful and being able to do them from afar is you know a lot better than having to be standing yeah. right in the middle of them so I used to do that. I used to on my necro always play with wells because I just like that playstyle. But then I think at some point I had to change up the build so that they couldn't be ground targeted anymore because I was going more for power. I think, and it wasn't in the same trait line. Yeah. So if they're ground targeted, you can still do both. You can put them on your feet as they used to be, or you can put them at range. Yeah. I don't see the the downside. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's just like an iota of extra mental energy to put your <laughs> mouse right at your feet. So, eh. Uh, um, I mean, like, if you're complaining that, oh, I have to click more fast casting, like, why do you not play with fast casting on? If you want to be the lead person that you are claiming to be, you need to have fast casting. That yeah. is all I'm saying. I like, um, well, and I know that some people are complaining about Chilling Darkness, which is a adept trait in uh, Curses, and because it's boring, you know, quote unquote. But I feel like with some of the integration of the Wells traits into just baseline functionality, I had a World v. World focused, um, like, sort of support CC build for Necromancer that involved lots of blinds which then thereby uh, like applied chills from chilling darkness including a ranged well of darkness and the well cooldown trait and you know all sorts of stuff like that and so it's sort of a walking utility snare machine and then combining plague with um with chilling darkness so you get that huge aoe pulsing blind and chill um is glorious against zergs and so I think that with some of those integrated changes, it's a fine trait because it can be a big deal, even if it's not necessarily everybody's cup of tea. So I don't really know that Chilling Darkness needs any extra buffs to make it more appealing. Although 
you know, I wouldn't turn them down. <laughs> but, uh, and then Soul Reaping is, uh, I actually kind of don't like some of the, one of the changes that they did, which is that the Grandmasters in Soul Reaping are also really good, just like in Curses, but they're really good for every kind of Necro, so it feels like every Necromancer is going to take Soul Reaping, kind of no matter what, and I feel like that's not great design, because um, it's got Doomfire, so if you're a Condi Necro, then Doomfire away, and... I actually, if you're a terror necro, like so, if you're doing terror, it's got the flea effect uh, increase and doom fire. Or if you've got the hundred percent increase in, or hundred percent, well, really, all all of the condi ones are gonna want doom fire. Um, or if you're a power necro, it's got the increased fifty percent uh, crit chance while in death shroud. Uh, or it's got the stability and stun breaker on entering death shroud. All of which are just really strong traits. See, it's um, funny you say that because I look at Soul Reaping like a really well-made line because every single tier has something someone wants. Right, but I but it's every single tier has something that every necromancer build should probably have one of, which is it makes the trait line itself feel too mandatory to me. Like I can't ever imagine making a necro without Soul Reaping with this setup, which like to me, a good thing. I don't think I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing to have any one trait line that, regardless of your build type, you like feel like you have to take that trait line. Going, I, you're right, but I'm looking at it as far as a like going forward kind of thing, where this is a very great point to be like, okay, we want all the trait lines to be like this. Well, if they were all if they were all as good as soul reaping, that would be one thing, and that would be great. Which is where other professions, some of them are with multiple trait lines. Yeah. Well, do you think it's that's fair? Do you think it's maybe an attempt to um, give necromancer as a non elite specialization a trait line that is equal to an elite specialization? So it could be where your you know elite specialization has to pick this to be what it is in some respects the necro kind of has to pick soul reaping to be a necro as base i don't i agree with like it feels um it doesn't feel nice to have to pick that to be a good necro but perhaps it balances compared with the specialization elite specializations well and there's no telling whether or not your elite specialization will also feel like it has to take that (laughs) <laughs> which right. i mean so yeah i don't know it's um it's well designed from the perspective that evie was talking about about every every level having good choices but comparatively to especially coming off of blood magic that we were just talking about like eh, like almost no necros are ever going to choose blood magic at least unless they make substantial changes and death magic is very right offable if you're not doing mini well so basically it looks like the first three are are you doing zerker or condies or minions respectively and then soul reaping reaping and then your third one is just going to be whichever one compliments yeah whatever you're doing the most yeah it's yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I'm a little bit. There's definitely some really big, exciting changes for the Necromancer in this, but I am a little bit worried about 
maybe build variety is not the right word, but build variety for your archetype. Like there's there's very clearly three or so archetypes for necromancers at this point, and it feels like a lot of them are kind of cookie cutter build your own because of a huge lack of interplay between those build types because they all kind of require a huge investment of both skills and equipment you know like i mean Mm -hmm. you're going to be using completely different gear sets probably for all three of those builds which a lot of other professions don't ever have to worry about that um i'm a i'm not a bitter necromancer about gear sets and builds but whatever um (laughs) anyway great sword's uh, gonna give necros like three builds that they can use with zerker there you go yeah, oh, that's true. I mean, you know, there's... Because Greatsword. Yeah, there's a reason I, I started playing Zerker Necro as soon as they uh, announced that we were getting Greatswords. <laughs> uh, watch it be a condition weapon. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> it's gonna be a utility weapon that summons minions. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, please don't don't say that loud enough for them to hear. Um... <laughs> but then they can't make the short bow. That shoots rats as a minion weapon. Dude, that would be sick. That's a great idea for a future specialization. Like, Just screeching rats. Plague Siege flying. Warfare. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. <laughs> and, then, and then with like the Death Nova trait on uh, minions, you just like shooting volleys of undead rat minions that explode. Man, that'd be These tight. Last finishers for Necro. Yeah! <laughs> Support people. The long, uh, if it's a longbow, you could shoot zombie pigs. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Look, we tend to prophesize things like two years in advance. So you <laughs> heard it here first, folks. Yeah, expansion two, uh clearly <laughs> necromancer rat bows or pig bows. <laughs> like done. Pigs might fly. I will accept I will accept putting it in without proper accreditation. Like, that's fine. Let's just make it happen, people. Yep. Um but yeah, that's uh, that's my overall. I feel like it's not really going to change our playstyle too much uh, compared to say the mesmer changes. But I feel like all of the necro builds are probably getting a buff, like a pretty substantial buff, by consolidating and um, rearranging some of these traits. So with that said, however, I don't feel like necromancers are going to be at the level of other professions. Oh no! With I mean the new ones. That's that is a whole <laughs> that is a whole different can of worms. With I mean the mm. the biggest problem with necromancers is that they're not very team friendly. Like they don't really help your team in any way other than just doing damage. Whereas everybody else is, is you what know, they could do with blood. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, blood. Be- yeah. Anyway, regardless, uh, that's my necro uh, summary. Um, Evie, do you wanna you wanna talk about one? Or you and Spirit uh, want to co-talk about? Uh, oh, you can you can talk about Ellie because that was the Ellie. one that none of us know how to do anything. Okay. Whew. This concludes part one of our super long episode. Thanks for listening so far, and you can continue listening in part two. <laughs>